Amen. Oh, if you're excited, give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. It's, it's good to be home. Um, I, miss, I miss this place. I miss the pulpit. I miss the people. Um, let's hear a word of prayer. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory. Father, this morning, do only what you can do in our midst. I pray, oh God, that you stir up our hearts unto you. In the name of Jesus. You reign. You ancient Zion's king. Kado. could make it but they had some prior engagements they are tired but they bring their, their greetings as well um, this morning I'm speaking on what I've titled pursue holiness pursue holiness um, I followed your camp this year um, I can tell it was a very powerful one and some of you were charged 
but um, there are times where, and, and I understand the ebbs and the flows of the youthful life. Sometimes you go to camp and you come back and life gets at you and the fire that you left camp with goes down. Today I am just here to stir you up and let you know some of the things that you must do in order to live at the pinnacle with God, in order to enjoy a life of God's presence, in order to enjoy a life of power, because sometimes we, as charismatics, we tend to want to live in God's power, but uh, we are not ready to pay the price that comes with living in God's power and living in God's presence. Um, This message initially was a part two of a, a series that I was doing in church called Divine Pursuits. Part one, we did pursue the kingdom. Part two was pursue holiness, which I'm going to do today. And part three was pursuing growth. Um, So the word holiness, uh, I hope you brought your pens and your notebooks. Um, We're going to do a Bible study for the first 15, 20 minutes. Then we zoom into preaching. Are we together? Okay. So the word holiness in your Bibles, if you... So... The Bible, as we have it, uh, some of you may know, was not written in English, right? So it's written in Hebrew and in Greek, and we have the translation for us in English. So the, the Greek word in our New Testament that is usually translated holiness is the word hagios, H-A-G-I-O-S, hagios. And the word means to be set apart. So when, when you go home and it's time for supper, and your mom takes your dad's plate and he, she, he, she puts it aside and says that do not touch this plate. It belongs to daddy. That plate has been set apart. That is the idea behind the word holiness or hagios. But the interesting thing is that when the Greek authors of the New Testament are writing in Greek, they are actually thinking in Hebrew. Um, the, the, the analogy I can give you for those of you about to write your BEC or even your, yes, your BEC. When you're asked to write a French essay, most of us are native thinkers in English, right? So even though you are writing in French, your thought patterns and your thought process is in English. So you are translating your English into French. Similar things happen with the um, uh, New Testament writers. The language of the day they are speaking is Greek, but their thought patterns and the way they think is in Hebrew. So even though they are using Greek words, they are actually referring to a Hebrew term. And the Hebrew term they are referring to is the word kadosh. The word kadosh in the Hebrew means holy. But in actual fact, if you're looking for the technical language, it means that which belongs to the realm of the gods. So whenever we say something is holy, we say that it is different from any other thing because in that moment, that thing has been set apart and it now belongs to God. You know, whenever we think about holiness, we are thinking about something that does not have sin, something that is sexually pure, something that has not contaminated itself. All of those things are true. But the foundational meaning of the word holiness is that it belongs to God. For instance, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis chapter 2 that after God made the heavens and the earth, God separated and sanctified the seventh day. 
and he called it holy. The seventh day does not have the capacity to not sin. It does not have the capacity to be pure. The only thing that makes the seventh day holy is that God separated the seventh day for himself. He set it apart and he added himself to the day. So that made that day holy. If you, if you study the Old Testament, you realize that when they were setting up the tabernacle, there were plates, there were spoons, there were utensils and tables that were set apart in the tabernacle. And these utensils and items were considered holy. Not because they had the intrinsic ability not to sin, but because they were set apart for God and they belonged to God. So when we say something is holy, we are saying that that particular thing belongs to God. Are you tracking with me? In, in, in the Bible, there are two types of holiness. One is foundational to the other. The first type of holiness we have in the Bible is what we call positional holiness. Somebody say positional holiness. Positional holiness is the holiness you and I have by virtue of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So it is not a holiness that you and I can work for. It is not a holiness that you and I can do anything to acquire. It is a holiness that is given to us strictly by virtue of Jesus' finished work on the cross. Turn with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3 to 4. Ephesians chapter 1 from verse 3 to 4. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. In Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 3, Paul is outlining the blessings that we have been blessed with. And he says, primarily, we have been called by God to be holy and blameless before him. Not because you and I have done anything, but the moment you are, you are a born-again believer, you are engrafted into the body of Christ, and now that you are part of the body, just as God is holy, and Christ, by extension, being one with the Father is holy, you, as being baptized into the body of Christ, also become holy. Hallelujah. So if you read Romans chapter 1, verse 7, and can, I, can I get Romans chapter 1, verse 7 on the screen? <coughs> Romans 1, 7. So Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's addressing his audience. He says, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. The word saints there is also the same word that is translated holiness, hagios. So these people have been called not to anything else, but God called them to become saints, to be sanctified people. You know, there, 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 are, there are certain branches of the Christian faith where you, you have to live a certain life before you get the title saint. But the moment you are born again, God has called you to be a saint. Hallelujah. And, and that is a positional, a positional blessing. It's not something that you and I can work for. You can't work your way out to your positional holiness. And I want us to have this foundation clearly. Let's turn 
our Bibles one more time to 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, 27 to 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 27 to 30. It says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of this world to put to shame the things which are mighty. 28. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. 29. That no flesh should glory or should boast in his presence. 30. But of him, the him here is God. So you can read it this way. But of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us. So Paul is saying that, but because of God, you and I are now in Christ Jesus. And he says, Christ Jesus has become certain things for us. He says, he has become for us, one, wisdom from God. Number two, righteousness. Number three, sanctification. And number four, redemption. The same verse 30, give me the, the translation in the NIV. It says, who, become, who has become for us wisdom from God? That is our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. So Jesus Christ is not just our Lord and Savior. He is the basis and the foundation for our holiness. It means that you belong to God because you are in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. But beyond our positional holiness, we are called to pursue holiness. Because there is a holiness that if you and I do not have, we will not see God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, Jesus said to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And that's the first entry level, that is perception. If you are not born again, you cannot perceive the kingdom of heaven. And that is why when you, you speak to all your unbeliever friends and you engage with the 80s out there and you're talking about heaven, you're talking about the things of God, it seems as though it is foolishness unto them. Because until you are born again, you cannot even perceive the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus went on to say that except a man be born of the word and of the spirit, of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter. That is access. So you first need the level of perception, then you need a level of access. But he says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14, Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14, he says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. So when it comes to our life, even though we have been given a positional holiness, there is a certain aspect of that holiness that you and I are responsible for that we need to begin to work out. The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter number 2, it says, As much as you have been obedient in my presence, much more so in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What is this component of salvation that we need to work out? We have been given we have been redeemed. We need to work that redemption out. We have been made righteous. We need to work that righteousness out. And most importantly, we have been made holy. And you and I need to begin the work of working out that holiness. And the most important thing is this. The Bible says, without that holiness, you and I will not see God. You can come to church, spend the rest of your life in church. 
your parents being born again does not automatically transfer to you. If you live a life without holiness, without pursuing holiness, there will come a time where you stand before God. Like I said, the word holiness at its core means you belong to God. And that is why Jesus said that on the last day, many shall say to me, Lord, Lord, we did these miracles in your name. We did that in your name. And you say, depart from me. I never knew you. I don't know how difficult it would be for you. But to have spent your entire life in church. To have come to church. I saw those of you singing. Those of you dancing. I, I was remembering my youthful days. Where we used to dance and sing and serve God. And after doing all of these things. Imagine standing before God. And God tells you he never knew you. Because when you lived on earth, you did not live like you belonged to him. So in the final analysis, God will deny you because you were never his. Are we together? I know I don't like, I don't like preaching the, good, the nice few good messages, but bear with me. You will feel good in a bit. Hallelujah. So that is our responsibility. We have been called to pursue holiness. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, from verse 13 to 16. Oh, yes, Lord. He says, Therefore, get up the loins of your mind and be sober. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who has called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy, for I am holy. So over here, we have a clear injunction from God. He says that we have to, we have to shun the former way of life put aside the things that we used to do in our ignorance and become holy because God is holy. The reason why this is important, especially in our work with God, is that sometimes we, 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 we want to move in the power of God. How many of you wish you could prophesy, see things in the spirit realm, and, 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 and you, are, you are so enamored when you see it happening, and you are wondering, God, how can I do these things? The secret is a life of holiness. You see, when it comes to God, God really does not work with people based on the family you are from. God does not work with you based on the fact that you, you may be born and extremely gifted with the ability to stand and speak. But your ability to speak will not make, make you an anointed preacher. Your ability to sing will not make you an anointed singer. You must first belong to God. You must first be holy. And I'm going to teach you two, two things about holiness. So we've looked at positional holiness. And the second part of holiness we are supposed to pursue is what I call experiential holiness. You need to pursue holiness in your day-to-day -day experience. You need to work it out. Somebody turn to your neighbor, tell him, work it out. It's not just enough. You need to work it out. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I'm reading from verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 
I'll be preaching from this point now. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 from verse 14. It's interesting that whenever we, we come to this particular text, we, we always talk about it in the context of marriage and relationship and um, uh, getting a beloved. But this text was never meant for this purpose. He says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Let's go to the next verse. And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Let's go to the previous verse. The 14. Paul is doing something very interesting here. Paul is well versed and he understands the Hebrew Old Testament. In, in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy chapter 10, God gave them a unique law. And he told them that whenever they are plowing the field, they should not plow an ox together with a donkey. Because in those days, whenever they want to sow their seeds and they want to prepare the land for farming, they would first plow the land and they would, they would put a yoke on the neck of either a donkey or an ox. The, 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 the yoke is a device that hooks at the neck of the animal and connects to the plow. So as the animal is moving along, the plow is breaking the soil and preparing the land for, for, for the farmer to come and sow his seeds. And God told them not to, not to yoke together the donkey and the ox. Here's the reason why. The donkey, even though it's a strong animal, it's a lazy animal. The donkey works on his own terms. You can't tell the donkey when he should work. You can whip the donkey. It will still move when it wants to move. And then comes the oxen. The oxen is a very powerful, strong animal, just like the donkey stronger than the donkey but the ox is a humble creature it will work when you demand it to work it will do whatever you need it to do but the problem is when you yoke the oxen together with a donkey the donkey usually has a stronger personality and the donkey will now begin to influence the work patterns and the strength of the oxen so Paul thinks about this particular instruction in Deuteronomy and when he's writing to the church he says do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers because when you become yoked with unbelievers that means you have been tied together with them but here's the thing you are pulling in a different direction the unbeliever is pulling in a different direction you are pulling towards heaven the unbeliever is pulling towards hell you are supposed to be pulling towards holiness. The unbeliever is pulling towards his own life. And God says that what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness. Look at the, 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 the categories he uses here. He says what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness. What communion has light with darkness. The next verse. What accord has Christ with Belial? So he says light, darkness, righteousness, unrighteousness, Christ Belial, then it comes to the believer and an unbeliever. Whenever we as believers become equally yoked, you are pulling in the same direction as the world. Sometimes you look at the church today and there is no difference between the church and the world. And that is where the problem has started. 
We look at young Christians today and we can't tell them the fact that you are a Christian in your classroom. When we tell your classmates that you, you sing and dance in church, they will be shocked. Because the life that you live in the classroom, the life that you live in your home, see, if you, your parents have ever told you and you say you go to church, you're, you're a suspect. Because whatever life you seem to be living outside of church is not aligning with who a believer must be. Some of you, if we see your friends, we'll be shocked for you. It says, what part has the believer with the unbeliever? Give me the next verse. And what accord, he says, and what agreement has the temple of God with the temple of idols? For you are the temple of the living God. I want you to pay attention to this part. He says, and God has said, I will dwell in them I, and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. God's promise is that he will be our God. He will walk in the midst of us. When you survey the landscape, most churches today speak in past tense. You read books like God's Generals, and, and, and most pastors are saying back in the day there was power in the church. Um, uh, people used to work miracles. Right now, miracles are relics in the church. They are, they are, they are things that do not happen. And the reason why we, we have the absence of miracles, it's not that God has stopped working, but God does not find place in the church. God cannot find a place in your life. The Bible says that in a great man's house, not only are there vessels of gold, of silver, of clay, of earthing, but he says, if a man will purge himself, he shall be a vessel of use fit for the master. So when it comes to God, God does not work with you based on your abilities. He works on you based on the fact that you are holy, that you belong to him. So the reason why we are in church today and there is no power, there's no miracles, even the church does not belong to God. The church has become a place where people are advancing their own ideologies. People want to get their own things across. You are singing in the choir, you are not singing because your voice belongs to God. You are singing because you want them to know that I can do it. Last week someone sang and the person sang and this week it's my turn. I will show them that they should have given it to me last week as well. You are dancing and you, are, you, you want to stand in the front. Auntie Gina, I don't want the back, I want the front. There's some guy in church that you want him to see you dancing. So you are doing all of these things not because you belong to God. Not because you are doing it out of a heart for God. But your motives, your actions, everything else is from a very selfish base. And, and then we cry out and we are praying for revival. See, you can pray for revival for the next 10 years. If the church does not move to a place of holiness, there will be no revival. If we do not get back to a place of holiness, 
we are going to become an ancient relic. Yesterday I was speaking to a group of people and I was telling them the church is losing its power. We are losing our witness to the world because we look like them. And when it comes to doing the wicked things of this world, they are better than us. You see, we, we want to so much look like the world. That was, the excuse we give is that, you see, Paul said you become all things to all men. So instead of evangelizing, we are using marketing strategies. When, when, we, when we look at your dressing, we can't even tell that you're a believer. You take, you take your fashion inspiration from Beyonce. When we, when we check your phone right now, we look at your music playlist. We, we cannot tell that you're a Christian. There must be difference. I remember some years ago, I was driving and a police officer stopped me. She was asking me for some money, something small for the boys. And I prefaced my statement by saying, I am a Christian. I do not pay bribe. This lady arrested me, took me to the police station. I spent seven hours in the police station that day because of 10 CDs. I, it's not that I didn't have the money in my pocket. The money was in my pocket. It was a matter of principle. I am a believer. What would you do when compromising is not expensive? Will you still be a believer? Will, will you still be a Christian? I spent seven hours. I was sitting at the counter back. My dad came. He was like, Nee, what should I do? I said, Daddy, we are Christians. We don't pay bribe. Go to the office. Whatever it is, she will have to process me to court. When I go to court, the fine is 400 CDs. I would rather pay 400 CDs than pay 10 CDs. It's a matter of principle. Later, I asked the lady, why are you keeping me? Process me for court. You don't have the right to detain me. They said, ah, they are still doing something. So, uh, my dad's driver came to the office and was like, what, what do I want to do? I said, go to my office desk. My first drawer, pull it open. There's a New Testament line in there. Bring it to me in the cells. They brought me the New Testament. I was there reading my New Testament. And as troublesome as I am, I did not read in silence. I was reading out loud. Because somebody needs to hear the gospel. Use every opportunity, every avenue to preach. It, was, it wasn't an, uh, uh, an, e an easy thing to do. I remember some, uh, some two years ago when um, uh, Uncle Abeku was getting married and we were driving to Kumasi. I had exchanged cars with a friend and I did not check the person's um, uh, insurance, not knowing the insurance had uh, expired. And the police officer stopped me at Konongo, took my driver's license and was like, oh, I should find something for them. He said, I'm a Christian, I don't pay bribe. He was like, oh, he'll seize my license. So I said, if you take this license, you'll keep it. So today, my license is in Konogo. Because I, you see, there are, there are things. It, it may look like nothing. But if you can stand for God in the little things, when it comes to the big things, God will beat his chest to honor you. Because you have shown to the world that I belong to God. 
For some of you, when you are writing your test, those of you going to write the BEC, some of you, your parents are, are in church, but they are running around looking for a poor for you. Go and tell your parents that you want to live a holy life. as a matter of principle, this is why we have a lot of half-baked people in our, our uh, industries in Ghana. Most people get there and they've copied their way through life. So even, even sometimes writing an email correspondence, somebody has to guide you because when you were in JSS, that myself, you copied. When you were in, when you were in secondary school, your essay, you copied. So you, you don't even have the mental capacity to sit down and draft a common email. Go and tell your mother, go and tell your dad that a, a, a stubborn preacher man came and said that we have to be holy. So I'm not going to use the apple. When I was in the university, there, there was a, a time where I had very few friends in my class. Because I, I told them that if you want any help, I can tutor you, spend the whole night teaching you. But the moment we enter the exam room, forget that you know me. If you are failing and you call me, I won't mind you. Not because I'm wicked. I want to be holy. My life is not my own. In that exam room, I'm not sitting there for myself. I'm representing God. And, and, and we, we want to live anyhow. And then when we are failing and things are not going well, we are praying to God. See, Ghana is hard. Ghana is struggling because with our mouth, and we are making noise that we are a Christian nation. But no one steals more than a Ghanaian politician. And every Sunday they are in church. I'm preaching this message to you at a young age today because you are the future of Ghana. You are the future of the church. You are the hope that we have. And already looking at your lifestyle. I will dwell in them and walk amongst them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Next verse. Therefore, come out from amongst them and be ye separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Next verse. We are going to chapter 7 verse 1. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 7, chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. What is God's promise to his people? I will be your father. I will be your God. I will walk in the midst of you. What is our response to God's promise? 
is to perfect and live a life of holiness. That is all God is asking from us. To perfect and live a life of holiness. There are two sides to the holiness equation. Think of it as a, a battery. Right? A battery has a negative terminal and a positive terminal. So there's the negative side of holiness. I don't mean negative in terms of bad. But I mean negative in terms of a side of a terminal. The first part of holiness that we must work on is what I call separation. Separation. He says, come out from amongst them and be ye separate. When, when, when there is no clear-cut line of distinction between you and the world, we have a problem. The way you talk. Some of you, the way you talk is bad. Oh. Your language, your text message. If we are to go through your phone, see the text correspondence between you and your friends. Some of you, if we go through your phone right now, we'll weep. I mean, young, young children and already you could have started sending naked pictures, nudes and... Oh, I know you have been doing it. But there must be a clear line of separation. I always analogy. For me, the day I got born again, the Bible says we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So I took it as though the day I got born again, I was standing at the border of heaven and hell. If I stay there for too long, anything that can push me or has an ability to push me will throw me back to the other side and I do not want to go there. So I ran as fast as possible to the other side and draw, drew a line of demarcation. When I got born again, me, I was, I was in the world. And the world knew me. We were friends. Very close friends. I, I, the reason why I can speak to these things, because whilst I was doing all of these things, I was in church every Sunday. I never missed a Sunday. But, but the world knew me. And heaven did not know me. We're doing all of these things coming to church. The day I got born again, that day I took my phone. I was using a Motorola V3. I broke the phone into two. I'm not saying go and destroy your phones. I broke the phone into two. So that none of my friends from my past life would be able to contact me. I've never used that phone number again. The people that used to be my friends back then, today, some people see me and we are total strangers. Because I knew that if I want to go to heaven, see, it, don't think, when it comes to your salvation, first of all, be selfish. After you have been secured, then you can look back and think about others. You must first of all, there was a time where um, Jesus was talking to the disciples and was telling them how Peter was going to die and Peter was um, asking, what about John? Jesus told him, that is none of your business. You focus on entering first. And, and that, that is how your mindset should be. Do everything it takes to make heaven. I cut these friends off. 
I mean, I'm, at a point I was very strict. Even if you cut your hair in a certain style, you can't be my friend. Someone who said it was extreme, that is what has kept me. You must pursue holiness. I would lock myself in the room, read the Bible all the time. Spend hours in prayer. Because I want to belong to God. I want my life to be for God. When God wants someone, the prayer I used to pray every day. It's like, God, if in my generation, somebody wants anyone who is speaking your word, that they can say that this person is speaking the word of God. Father, let it be me. That was my prayer every day. So it demanded separation. Separation in the way we think. Separation in the way we dress. Separation amongst our friends. Just come out from amongst them and be ye separate. Whenever God wants to use the people, check throughout the scripture. The first injunction that God places on you is separation. When God wanted to call Abraham, he says, come out from your father's house. Come out from your family. Leave them. Go to a land that I will show you. When God wanted to use the nation of Israel, he gave them laws that would separate them. That would make them different from the nations around them. And today, God is giving us the same instruction. Come out from among the world and be separate. Take it from somebody who has been in the world before. There's nothing there for you. I remember I gave this advice to a cousin of mine. And he says he wants to experience the world. He'll come back. We are still waiting for him. Every night before I go to bed, I pray for his salvation. This was somebody who lived with me in the same house. We went to youth camp together. He would wake up in the morning and be praying with me. Sometimes he wakes me up to pray. This guy is in the world. Whenever I, I go on Facebook and I see his Facebook prayer, I weep. Smoking weed, chasing girls, doing all kinds of things. This is someone who used to sit in church on a Sunday morning like this. See, don't listen to this and think it is far-fetched. You are just two choices away from such a life. And the first choice you need to make is a life of separation. That from today, I'm drawing the line. Every one of us in our Christian walk, there must come a time where you draw a line and say that from this day, I'm separate from this world. I'm not going to do things the way this world does them. I'm not going to do things the way, the way other, other, because sometimes the temptation is that even the people that you come to church with are compromising. And that's the, that's the worst place to find yourself. Where the, the, the people around you who are supposed to encourage you and help you to be spiritual are also compromising. And they make it look as though it is normal. Just come out from amongst them and be separate. When Paul wrote to Timothy, he says Timothy should be an example to the believers, not to unbelievers. Because for a believer to be an example to an unbeliever, it is a given. If your life cannot be an example to an unbeliever, your Christianity is suspect. But he calls Timothy to a higher standard. That even amongst believers, you must stand out and be an example. 
in your lifetime, another Christian should be able to point to you and say that I became serious with God when I met you. I fell in love with God when I encountered you. I decided to take God seriously the day I heard you talk to me. If no one has said that about you, start working your way there. Because the positional holiness has been given to you. We have been called to work this thing out. So separation says, do not be unequally yoked together with the unbelievers. Come out from amongst them and be separate. The second part or the positive part of the pursuit of holiness is what I call consecration. What's the time now? Okay. Consecration. Whereas separation means to create a gap between you and the world, consecration means to draw near to God. So you are not just creating a gap or separating yourself from the things of this world. Because he said, therefore having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Separation. But he says, let us perfect holiness. There are things that we need to pursue. Perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord. Consecration. It means that there are things in your life that you must now begin to actively pursue. You must actively pursue your quiet time with God. There are moments in your day that must be set apart. No one can come in that time you have with God. Some of you, the holiest thing in your life is your mobile phone. Because it is so dear to you and set apart that no one can touch it. And that is how your time with God should be. That when, when you are spending time in God's presence, when you are there with God, no one can come near. Because your life is given to God. Your life is set apart for Him. You are pursuing God in fasting. You are pursuing God in prayer. Some of you, when you hear fasting, then your heart is beating. But you see, if we do not pursue God, turn, turn, turn the, uh, the screen to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I will read from verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His. You see, to be holy means you belong to God. And if the scripture is saying the Lord knows those who are His, it means that amongst all of us sitting here, God knows those who are holy. God knows those who are truly His. You can say you're a believer and all I, I, I can do is believe you. I, I, I can go with your word. But the Bible tells us the foundation of God stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. You can pretend 
You can lie to me, but you cannot lie to God. You can lie to your parents, you cannot lie to God. You can pretend to Uncle Bijou. We will give you the platform here in this church. Do whatever you want to do. But you cannot lie to God. When God sees you, he sees right through you. He sees through the gimmicks. He sees through the lies. He sees through the masks. He sees through the facade. The Lord knows those who are his. And he says, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Verse 20. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Next verse. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Some of you, you are praying, God, open my eyes to see. Lord, I want to be used by you. This is what, this is the price to pay. The first point, cleansing yourself from the latter, separation. The next verse. Flee also youthful lusts. Flee youthful lusts. Some of you, you see sin, and you want to go, you see, the problem with young people is we want to, we want to test the boundaries of our safety net. So you want to see how close you can get without actually falling. That is, that is why you people like asking this question. Is kissing a sin? Why, why, why are you asking that question? Let's, 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 let's have a conversation today. Why, why are you asking that question? Why would you go to the market and go and buy rice? Go and buy veggies? Buy your meat? Prepare your nice stir fry. And then you sit down and cross your leg and look at the food. That is what you do when you say, oh, we are just kissing and holding each other. We will not do anything. Bible says, flee youthful lusts. It didn't say negotiate with it. Oh, she's coming to my house. We will not do anything. It's just a, a visit. Meanwhile, you know your mom is not there. Your dad is not there. Then, 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 then the, the, when it, everything has happened, I don't know what happened though. It's the work of the devil. The devil knows nothing about it. When you were planning and you were texting each other and setting the mood and doing all of those things, the devil was minding his own business. Some of the, some of the times, even your sin shocks the devil. This new generation, some of the things you do, the devil is in shock. It's like, hey. It says, flee youthful lusts. Run away. Because sometimes when you do these things, the, the price, the price you will pay, what it will cost you, it will be too much. You will come out. Right? The Bible talks about such people. It says such a person will be saved by even through fire. It, have, you, have you ever watched a cartoon where, or a movie where someone was in a burning house and they were able to escape, but when they came out, there was smoke all around them and you could see that they had barely made it. Some of you, that is how you will make heaven. 
barely if you do not flee youthful last. You will enter heaven and when we are smelling the sweet fragrance of worship, you are smelling like smoke. <laughs> he says, flee youthful last. When your friends are coming with their ideas, Charlie, this girl, she fine old. We'll meet them for the corner there after school. Flee youthful last. When they add you to that telegram page, flee youthful last. Oh, you think we don't know? We know. All the facilitators, they know. This right now, if you don't have a boyfriend, they'll look at you some way, they'll call you this. Flee youthful last. If you do not hear anything from today's message, flee youthful last. We don't know. See, some sins that we don't negotiate with it all. What it will cost you, I'm telling you, you don't want to pay. go and do something with some, some girl or some guy who has no future. Then, then in, the next, in the next few years God will bless you. You become a minister of state. You, you, you become a man of God standing on the pulpit. Then somebody can point to you and say, oh this guy my ex-boyfriend, I slept with him. God forbid. See it happened to a, these things I'm telling you are not stories. It happened to a cousin of mine. She was dating this guy back in the day and my parents and my, her parents were talking about it Leave this boy, you leave this boy. You said, No, I'm in love, you know. Eventually, they broke up. God blessed her. She got a good job, she got a good husband. This, they're married, they, they live in Germany now. There's a time she came down and she, she was just walking through the old neighborhood. And her ex boyfriend appeared, and the guy was about to mention him. She went to hide. Because she's ashamed to be associated with such a person. And that's some of, some of the things that you people are doing today. The people that you are doing things with, some of them, some of them they, excuse me to say, they don't have a future. That's the truth. And, and you don't know that now, but you have given your everything to some foolish boy. The boys who you have, the small pocket money your parents are giving you. And I, and I don't have data, then you are sending all your money, you are buying data for someone. Flee youthful last. When you come to church and we are asking for special offering for student aid, you don't give. But when your girl's data is finished, you are the first to buy. said but pursue righteousness so whilst you are fleeing and separating yourself from these things there are things that you need to run after pursue righteousness pursue faith pursue love 
pursue peace. He says, with all those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So it means that you have to find people who are on this journey of holiness and pursue it with them. Sometimes these things, we see it. If you show me your friends today, show me five friends of yours, I can tell whether in the next five years you'll still be in church or you'll be out the door. He says, pursue righteousness. Let it be a way of life for you. Righteousness means you are in a right relationship with God. It means that your relationship with God matters to you. Above everything else, that is what you are pursuing. As a young man, before I became a pastor, I told myself that there are some messages me I will never preach. Not because it is not... I don't, I don't want to compromise anything in my work with God. So even if the message is not comfortable, once I know it is God, I'll come and preach it to you. If you like, don't invite me again. Mm. I remember years ago, I was speaking to some of the youth. Someone told me that they don't like it when I come and preach. Because Uncle Bethmo, when he comes, he'll come and talk about our sin. <laughs> Uh, every day we have to stop this, we have to stop that. Yes, you have to stop. And I will not stop talking about it. Unt until the last one of you here is living a, a pure and holy life, we will talk about it. If like, don't come to church next Sunday, we'll, we'll meet you in your house. Pursue righteousness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue peace. With all those who call on the name of the Lord with a pure heart. Today I came to just stir you up to pursue holiness. Because like we read in Hebrews 12, it says without holiness you and I will not see God. I don't know about you but me my heart's desire is to get to heaven and to hear these words. Thou good and faithful servant, you have been faithful in these little things. Come and rest in your master's joy. These are the words I want to hear when I get to heaven. If I don't hear anything else, these are the words. Thou good and faithful servant. Because whilst I was alive, I pursued God. Whilst I was alive, I loved God. Whilst I was alive, I drew a line between myself and this world. That the world is dead to me and I'm also dead to the world. We don't have any relationship. Till date, when people play some of these worldly songs around me and I don't know the song, they are shocked. I don't spend my, my leisure time listening to these songs. Some of you, if you hear the intro beat, no, you can jump... See, we will not finish. We will not finish with the intro. You'll be out of your seat. Them never see me come. Ah, then they dance and start. They'll show you how the dance moves. Every popular song, they even know the dance that goes with it. 
We need to draw the line. Turn to your neighbor and say, draw the line. Turn to another person, tell him to draw the line. And you must, you must begin today. I'm about to, for those of you going to write the BEC, you need to draw the line. One of the things I have learned by experience in my work with God is that if you honor God, God will honor you. Hallelujah. If you honor God, God will honor you. Let me give you one testimony, then I'll close. When I was in the university, in first year, we went for a freshers' examination half night. And the lady who preached at the half night, Mamiama, that woman, that, that lady changed my life. When she ministered at the half night, she made me understand that even the exams that we write is not for us, it's for God. So that day I made a vow to God. For the rest of my life, any exam that I would ever write, I would never compromise. I would never cheat. Even if I'm failing, I'll fail honorably. So, so in the, in the morning, I was going to write physical chemistry. And that physical chemistry paper is one of the hardest papers you ever write in your life. Not because of the subject matter, but even though the subject matter is difficult, the lecturer compounded the problem. Because his exam... His exam setup is quite different. So here's how the exam is set up. A hundred questions. He'll give you two statements. And the possible answers are as those, as follows. If statement A is true, and statement B is true, and statement A and B are related in any way or form, choose A. If statement A is true, statement B is true, and they are not related, choose B. If A is true and B is false, choose C. If A is false, B is true, choose D. If e, A is true, if A is false, B is false, choose E. So in answering one question, you have answered about 10 questions just to be able to get one. And the exam is structured plus one minus one. So if you don't know the answer, don't answer. Because you can finish the exam and you are owing the lecture marks. And he will take it from your mid-semester. If you finish the exam with minus five, and in the mid-semester you had 30, he will go into your mid-semester and take it out. You end up with 25. So you can finish the exams and be worse off than you started. When we go to the exam hall, just on my way to the exam hall, I had given my life totally to God. Told God, this life is for you. Do it with as you please. I was walking to the exam hall and I heard God speak to me clearly. But my men sit on the lane. I sat down where everybody was walking to lectures. I sat down on the floor. And God told me to sing. And he told me the exact song to sing. So I started singing. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. How many of you know this song? So I was singing. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Whilst people were passing by me to go and write the exam. I got to the exam room. 
just when people were going to sit down to start the exam. When I looked at question one, I knew I was done. You've been there before, right? When some of the exams, when you're failing, you know. After, after, after writing your name, you know you can't write anything else. So I finished writing my name and I put my head on the table. Because we, I, we, we both know the outcome. God and I, we know that this people can't do it. Then I heard the same voice that spoke to me, sit down and sing. Number one, A, then I started second. And number two, B, I started shading. And I, ah. so when I got to number 70, I was like, Bethany, are you correct? How are you following a voice to be circling when you can finish this and you are owing? So when I got to 71, I said, no, this thing, let me stop it here. This madness is enough. So I stopped at 71. I didn't continue to the 100. When we came there next semester, when, when the lecturer and the lecturer walked in, Dr. Evans died. Anybody who has gone to Tegu and look for him. If he's teaching you first year chemistry, if you can change your lecture, please do. <laughs> he walked into the class. Who is Beth von Mensa? See, I was so tense that I, 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 was, I was skeptical because I didn't know what, the, what was behind the who is Beth von Mensa. So my hand was up like this. Oh, no, put your hand up well. So stand up. Everyone in the class, clap for him. And, and in the exam, I had 71. I was, I was the only person that year to get an A in his paper. Not because I studied hard, but because I had made a vow to God that this life would pursue him and to honor him. And the scripture I read in 2 Timothy, it says, I will be your father and you will be sons to me. I will walk in the midst of you. But what does he ask of you? He says, flee from these things. Pursue holiness. And this morning, more than anything, in your life, don't pursue money. Don't pursue fame. Don't pursue the, 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 the things of this world. Pursue holiness. And God will honor you. Today, where I am in life, I may not be where I want to dream about, but I'm okay. Because God has honored me. Because I chose to honor him with my life. Let's rise and pray. I don't know the current situation in your life right now. But you want to pray and ask God to help you live a holy life. The Holy Spirit that is given to us, that is his primary purpose. His name is the Holy Spirit because he's the one who makes us holy. I want to pray this morning and say, Father, help me. Help me to live a holy life.
I give you my life this morning. Take it, mold it, transform it. Do whatever you want to do with my life today, God. I surrender it all to you. Oh, yes, Lord. Mata iko rasata katibiniantas. Yabale baba ratazayando sataya. Father, this morning we surrender it all to you. We give our lives to you. We surrender our lives to you. Father, this morning we draw a line. We separate ourselves from this world. Say that, Father, do with our lives what you will. Place in our hearts a desire to pursue you all the days of our lives. Oh, yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Take my life and mold it. Take my mind, transform it. Take my
Father, I thank you, O God, that your word declares that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength. Father, I pray for them that you grant them conviction of heart, strength of spirit. Father, strengthen them with might by your spirit in their inner man. Father, may they resolve to live holy lives. I pray for grace for them that may they stand for you. And Father, may you honor their decisions. Honor them with your presence, with your power, all the days of their lives as they stand for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may please be seated in God's presence.